This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shot flew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis, the February the 9th edition of This Week in Tennis. I'm Phil Nasons and I'm your host each and every week bringing you news, views, and opinions about tennis by actual tennis people. And today on the line is my normal co-host who has other obligations, that's why he wasn't here last week, 
please welcome from CraigDoylePhotography.com. Mr. Craig Doyle. Craig, what's up? How's Scotland today? What's the weather like, my friend? Well, this week has been the turning point. The snow is gone. The cold is starting to ease up. And, you know, for us, this is pretty much summer. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say. I think it's still too cold. It's been raining here for like five straight months. Unbelievable. How do you deal with that rain for five straight months? I don't deal well with it. Um, I've played tennis. I played, uh, when was it? Last Friday? No. Yeah, wait. Yeah, last Friday I played. Prior to that, I played on New Year's Eve for an hour. Um, Prior to that, I played in the first week of November. I've played three hours in four months. I don't deal well with it. But you know what I learned, uh, Craig, is how much I still love playing tennis. I mean, I still love hitting balls. And I've been at this for 44 years. It'll be 44 years in July on my birthday. I've been playing since I was four. And when you do something like that, and I call it my wife, everything else is like a mistress. Because I felt so alive. And I just hit for an hour with my longtime student, Alex. And I felt so alive. And not to mention the next day, so sore. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. But you never forget how to play. I didn't. And uh, it's still a great feeling and it's still a great rush to be on the tennis court hitting balls. You know, for people who've never played, I, I suggest they get out there and try. It is the greatest sport there is. I can't even think of another sport that I play and I've played them all that gives me that same exhilaration, if that's a good word. Yeah, I think it is. And I think you should just note there that anyone can play at almost any level. You know, you can come in and hit balls. You don't have to be moving around the court like Novak Djokovic to have a good time. That's exactly right. You know, that is exactly right. And speaking of moving around the court, congratulations, my friend. Did you see what I saw on iTunes this week? I certainly did see what you saw. And if I didn't, you were going to make sure that I did see it. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> I don't usually tag people on Facebook, but I said right away, I got it. So, Craig, I know he's working, but I, I don't care. I'll bother him. And you responded so quickly. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you caught me at a good time, and uh, it, it was good news, wasn't it? Yeah, heck yeah. It's number six. You know, we were going to stop doing this show, remember? We were, yeah. Last week. In fact, I wasn't even going to do the show last week. And I just said, why not? I did it on Friday morning before I went grocery shopping at 7 in the morning. I just recorded two segments. And we replayed that Scoop interview who wrote the book, Marcelo Rios, the man we barely knew. But uh, And I said, you know something? Because you weren't going to be on there. And I don't like to do, you know, I don't like to do shows alone. It's I, could, I do them, obviously. But... You weren't coming on. I just said, well, I better try to keep this thing alive. And we did. <laughs> how about that? Because I was pretty frustrated. I couldn't figure out how these some of these other programs, these tennis programs, ranked up so high. And then I finally realized why. And congratulations to them, too. You know, they all the, the sport of tennis was all over iTunes the first two weeks during the Australian Open. And now the only one in the top 50 is us. And we're number 10 now. We hit number six. Today we're number 10. And we'll we'll tumble because we should. It's a niche sport. 
We're competing with the likes of Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS Sports. We're competing, but here's the thing. We were ahead of Liverpool's podcast. We were ahead of the Fanny Rags podcast. We were, you know, we were ahead of a lot of them, and I was really thrilled. <laughs> Honestly, I was thrilled. And I was happy for you, too, because you're a big part of that. I'm delighted for you, and I think, you know, people have to respect the fact that tennis is one of those sports that's quite seasonal. It goes in and out of fashion across the world, depending on when the Grand Slams are. And, you know, for a lot of the time, it's very, very difficult for you to pull together a show like this um, at times where, you know, tennis isn't the big attraction that it is when the Grand Slams are on. That's exactly right. You know, that's probably where these other programs, and God bless them, got their spike. And where we didn't is because we talk tennis every week here. And that's the difference. You know, they do it too, but uh, we didn't need to get a rise. We got the rise when no one else did. And that just goes to show that we have a lot more people listening than we thought we did. And gave me a little extra encouragement to continue bringing this program because this is the only one of its kind. And we play music on it because we can. We're on a radio station, the legitimate one, a couple of them. And that allows us to do what we do. And by the way, to open the show, that was Kansas. Let's play the game tonight. Craig, I always forget to do that. (laughs) You know, my other show, my daily show, uh, I don't have that problem because I'm just used to it. But this is that once a week thing. Anyway, we got some news around the female or the women's tour. And and people write to me and they say, why don't you talk more about that? And and you know what? I guess they're right. I think we should be a little more uh, open to talking about these things. Big news. Venus Williams pulled out of Cutter. That's not really a surprise anymore when she pulls out of these tournaments, is it? No, you know, at Venus's age and given her illness, one that, you know, isn't going to go away, I think Venus is going to really, really shorten down her schedule, pick and choose the tournaments that she wants to be at, and when her body feels right, you'll see Venus Williams. That might only be at the Grand Slams plus a few other events this year, but, you know, you got to save yourself. Venus has got to save herself uh, for the big appearances, and it is what it is. Yeah, you know, and people poo-poo her sometimes, but she's been a great representative of the sport, and she's done a lot for the sport, I mean, and in the sport. You know, I hope that she just retires gracefully, and I think that's what she's trying to do. She still likes to play a little bit, I guess. But, yeah, she's going to pull out of things. She probably will play out the rest of the season, at least the Grand Slams, if she's healthy. And I hope she does, because she's a lot of fun to watch. And then I'll tell you something. This one caught my eye today. And it brought me back to when we talked the first program of January, when we talked about who was going to take a tumble. And you said that Sarah Irani would take that tumble, and she did. She was upset in the finals in Paris this weekend by Germans Mona Bartel. What in the world? You were right. Good call on that one. I think it's a double good call because if I remember rightly, I probably called Mona Bartel to be one of the people that would go up the way this season. Um, quite a big fan of German women's tennis at the minute. The girls seem to be pushing each other up the way. Um, don't know how high they're going to go, but Bartel was one of those that appeared last year and she impressed in a few games against Azarenka where she pushed her right to the limit. So... Yeah, on on the flip side, Irani, 
I, I just thought last year she got to a Grand Slam final at Roland Garros. She got to the semi-final, I think, at the U.S. Open. She had a good season, but she was punching above her weight. You know, she doesn't have the big sort of tall build that allows her to get the extra power on the ball that a lot of these girls are getting. Her game is sort of based around a lot of movement. It's very much like a female version of David Ferrer. And I just didn't think it was sustainable for her to stay near the top of the game, especially with so many of these young talents trying to break through. Well, that was a definitely a good call. And I think you're right. You did say Mona Bartel would uh, be someone on the rise. And speaking of another person that you claimed was on the rise, and you were correct again, Sloane Stevens. She's pulled out of the Fed Cup with an ab injury. Does it, that's not good for the U.S., is it? No, I think the U.S., what with you just mentioning, Venus is on the way out and uh, Serena's starting to pick up a few injuries here and there. She's not got as big a schedule as most of the girls on the tour. And, you know, we both identify Sloan as possibly the, one of the next players coming through for the U.S., and obviously, they want to get her involved in Fed Cup tennis as often as possible now. They want to sort of have her in the team. And as as she gets older, you know, they'll probably try and build the team around her. So it's quite disappointing that she's had to pull out this time. But hopefully, the U.S. do okay without her and she can come in later in the year. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's a big hit. But yeah, the U.S. has quite a few girls that deserve a chance to play and they'll get that chance now. I don't see Serena playing too much more Fed Cup. She doesn't play that much anyway. Just enough to keep her Olympic qualifications alive. But yeah, we'll get to see some other people, and that's a good thing. Now, we're out in California thinking about something, right? Um, Indian Wells, there's some controversy there, right? There is a little controversy about Indian Wells. And for those unaware, Indian Wells is the first of the nine Masters tournaments on the men's side, and it's a rather large women's tournament as well the controversy is that Indian Wells actually want to pay the players more prize money this year especially those who lose in the early rounds however the ATP do not want to sanction it nah right that's because they don't want to compete with the grand slams in terms of prize money right yeah well it's kind of political uh, in various ways. In one way, the ATP are looking to extract more prize money out of the Grand Slams, which are obviously independent of the ATP, while at the same time, they don't want Indian Wells setting a precedent for pushing up the prize money, which would then force the other nine Masters events to look at their own prize money and then perhaps have to up it as well. So, you know, there's... There's a lot of political intrigue here because the players, obviously, you know, they see the extra prize money as a huge bonus. So you got the sort of players looking at the ATP, hoping they say yes, and the ATP sort of trying to stand firm. But the big point of interest at the moment is that Indian Wells say that when it goes back to vote, uh, and the vote previously was three, three votes for, three votes against, that if this doesn't get through the vote, the ATP will drop the prize money back to the 2011 amount, not the 2012 amount that they paid last year, but actually decrease the prize money this year, which, you know, is going to upset a lot of the players. Yeah, I can't imagine they'd be very happy about that. You know, the thing is, is the Association of Tennis Professionals is supposed to stand up for players. 
And this is a political move, like you said. You know, they, they want to force the hand of the ITF, give them more money, and that's fair enough. But to sac- at the sacrifice of the financial future and financial uh, stability of the tennis players, I'm not talking about the Novak Djokovic's and the Fetters and the Nadal's and the other fellas out there, Andy Murray, David Ferrer. Those folks are financially set for life. I'm talking about the guy ranked 125, 130, who's qualified and who needs that extra scratch. Now he's not going to get it. These are the guys that are going to get hurt. These are the guys who need that extra money in order to stay out there on those challengers. They don't have big sponsorships, a lot of those kids, and they need that money. And for the ATP not to stand up for them, that's ridiculous. That's just unfair and unheard of. This is not what the Association of Tennis Professionals was set to be. It wasn't the uh, association that Brad Gilbert nailed up a sign or something on the billboard at the U.S. Open, meet me in my room. We're going to be talking about making this association ours. This was a long time ago. They were going to boycott the U.S. Open, and then they end up founding the ATP. Association of tennis professionals mean you defend your players. Defending those players should mean, and this is just my opinion, mind you, and I think the players are going to kiss me when when they hear what I'm about to say, If they don't want to stick up for the players, then maybe the players need to go do their own thing. But if they do, it's going to probably tear apart the sport of tennis, don't you think? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, you and I can probably talk for a whole show about the the problems that the ATP have at the moment. But we will try to flirt around the edges of that here. But I think one of the biggest problems is that the ATP represents both the players and the tournaments. So they've got to find some sort of middle ground where everyone's happy. And, you know, when you're in charge of that sort of situation, it's uh, it's not easy to strike the ideal balance between both. Nope, not when you're riding the fence, it isn't. It's not easy, is it? And I, I don't think that the ATP should be riding the fence. I think they should stick up for their players now and worry about the money at the slams later. That usually takes care of itself. But these tournaments, if they're going to revert back to two years ago, I don't know what that is exactly, but goodness gracious, they're going to stick it to the players. And that's not fair. That's unfair. It's not Indian Wells' fault. They're doing the right thing. They're saying, screw you, ATP. We don't, whatever. The players are still going to show up there. They have to. It's a mandatory tournament. They have to show up. Ugh. Ugly situation. I hope the ATP steps up in favor of the players because if they don't and those kids get angry, watch out. You think that they don't play much now. If they ever get together and walk away from the ATP and do their own thing, you're only going to see guys like Djokovic win his big money exhibitions and at the Grand Slams because they're going to tell everyone to take a hike, which could be interesting in and of itself. Anyway, Craig, we're off to a roaring start. What we're going to do is take a break. And when we return, we're going to take a look back at last weekend's World Group Davis Cup matches, ties, rubbers, whatever you want to call them, and take a look forward and see what's coming next in the World of Davis Cup. And you're listening to This Week in Tennis on Max Sports Channels. This 
channels. And we'll be right back. Stitcher Smart Radio is an award-winning, free mobile application that lets you listen to your favorite shows and discover the best of news, entertainment, and sports on demand. Now you don't even need a Wi-Fi or a cell connection to listen to shows like The Phil Nation Show. Never miss another show. It's real simple. Just go to Stitcher.com and download the free app today. And never miss another Phil Nason show. Been dreaming of that Greek vacation? Well, if you have, then you might want to check out the folks at the Origi Grand Hotel, located in beautiful Corfu, Greece. Come experience world-class cuisine, as well as the hospitality that Greece is legendary for at the Aridi Grand Hotel. You can find them at aridihotel.com or email them at reservations at aridihotel.com. For you, the listeners of This Week in Tennis, audible.com is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'd personally like to recommend Tim Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis, and you can get this book or any other of over 100,000 titles, all for free, simply by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, please go to audibletrial.com slash flash tennis. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash flash tennis and get your free audiobook today. The Phil Mason Show is a daily one-hour program Featuring hard-hitting commentary on a variety of topics. From the world of sports, entertainment, and pop culture, The Phil Mason Show covers it all. For music, entertainment, and more, please check us out at philmasons.com. Hi, this is Phil Masons, the host of The Phil Mason Show. You can listen to us each and every day, Monday through Friday, at 10 p.m. Eastern, on the Superstation Talk. That's right. We are here each and every day and proud to be here at 10 p.m. Eastern on TalkSuperstation.com. And while you're over, check out the other great shows that Diamond Joe presents each and every day. That's Monday through Friday, The Phil Mason Show, 10 p.m. Eastern on TalkSuperstation.com. So 
Welcome back. That was Survivor. High on you on This Week in Tennis with Phil Nasons and Craig Doyles here from CraigDoylePhotography.com. Craig, the Davis Cup. Did you get it? I know that you've been very busy with the soccer and stuff. I'm sorry, football. But uh, did you get a chance to uh, at least keep an eye on what was going on over there? I'm glad you made that correction there for the uh, British viewers or listeners. Sorry, <laughs> Everyone says viewers. We've been doing that all day today. I just produced my very first show for someone else, and that's what we kept saying. <laughs> viewers. Anyway, yeah, I knew I had to correct myself there. Uh, because, you know, me being rude and an American, I want to make sure that I'm trying to be kinder and get everything right. <laughs> but what was up with the Davis Cup? I think I called it pretty good. I had a lot of people write to me and say, God bless you, Phil. You know, gamblers. Because the gamblers love this show. They certainly do. And I had uh, six out of eight, I believe. I was let down by Kazakhstan beating Austria, which is a little bit of a surprise for me. And Italy beat Croatia, which was another little bit of a surprise for me. But the other six I called correct. Good for you. I lost the Argentina one because I, I honestly didn't think that. I thought they'd fall apart even though they were playing at home. I think I picked uh, Germany for an upset. And then I lost the uh, Austria, Kazakhstan. And I believe I lost the Italy, Croatia. My boy, Fabio Fognini, man, he went big, didn't he? He certainly did. And, uh, you know, you called him at the start of the season to do big things, and he produced in the Davis Cup. Yeah, he sure did. But I'll tell you who produced, too, is uh, Milos Rejanic. That young fella stepped up. Well, you know, and I said this last week on the show. I said, Spain looks like they're just throwing in the towel because they didn't bring anybody with them. If Lopez didn't show up, Ferrer wasn't there. Obviously, Nadal's not there. But Milos came through big, didn't he? He certainly did. And this was, you know, without Nadal, without Ferrer um, or Almagro, you know, these big players, you know, those names. This was the time for that kid to turn up and show that, you know, he's the dominant player. He's the top 20 guy. He's got to go out there and, you know, put a beating on Spain. And that's a way to sort of announce himself as... uh, as a potential top 10 candidate uh, at the end of the season. And I think he did really, really well against, you know, a Spain side that's always going to be strong no matter who goes out. It maybe doesn't have the big star names that, you know, we're used to seeing for Spain, but it wasn't an easy tie and he came through that really well and I was quite impressed with him. Yeah, I was too. And I'll tell you who I was impressed by too is Tomas Bellucci from Brazil. You know, he was ecstatic. He knocked off Isner and USA still won, but I got to tell you, like he said, he was just fired up and excited, and I was excited for him. He said, look, I just played against two guys in the top 10, and I won once. You think I had a bad weekend? Are you out of your mind? And I went five sets with the other guy. He says, I played great this week, didn't I? I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you did. That was a pretty good one. But I'll tell you the surprise is the Bryan brothers. They lost. They don't lose often in doubles ever, but Davis Cup, they lose even less. And I thought that thing should have been, that deal should have been sealed on Saturday. And what in the world? How they lost, it just still boggles my mind. What did you think about that? Yeah, it's a little bit surprising because you think a team like the Bryan brothers, um, you know, perhaps the best doubles team ever, you think 
professional job. They'll come out, you know, three, maybe four sets at most. They'll wipe, wipe pretty much any other team. It's certainly in Davis Cup off the court. And, it, you know, they, they seem to get caught out. They just didn't seem to get going and uh, an upset. But speaking of doubles, did you happen to catch the doubles match in the Czech Republic tie? I did not see that one um, because, as you know, I have a huge recording schedule. Um, I didn't see. What happened there? Uh, it was never-ending, to be honest. Uh, it, I think it may have gone down in the record books as the longest-ever doubles match in Davis Cup history between Switzerland and Czech Republic. Wow, because that's, that's always good for tennis because the majority of tennis people, tennis players, and I'm not talking about professionals, play doubles. And they never show it on TV. That's what I like about Davis Cup is that they do. They did have Greece on here this weekend, I think. I didn't get to see it because the, during their times I was uh, busy playing. But that's a big, long match. I'll tell you something else. Uh, France just destroyed Israel. I don't even know how Israel got into the world group. But they better step it up or they're going to be out, aren't they? Because France France has wiped the court off with them. Richard Gasquet. Goodness gracious, what happened there? Yeah, well, you know, France are traditionally one of the stronger teams in the Davis Cup, aren't they? With the likes of Gasquet, Songa, Simon, Monfils, Lodza. You know, they've got a, a huge array of sort of players sitting between 10th in the world and, well, even higher. You know, you've got guys up almost as high as five in the world. But when it comes to the team competition, you put them up against a team like Israel who don't have that, the sort of personnel to call on that can uh, help them out. You're going to see guys like Gasquet winning in straight sets. You're going to see, you know, double specialists like Lodge up going through people really quickly. It's uh, one of those things, I'm afraid. And Israel, as you correctly say, they look like they could be one of the casualties from the world group this year. They, they don't have anyone in the top 100 singles. Um, and you, you know, with four singles matches to play against someone in the sort of playoffs later on in the year, any nation that's got a decent singles player is going to have a chance of taking Israel out. Yeah, I think you're right. And speaking of getting taken out, I, I had predicted the upset. I like to do that sometimes, and well, I lost a loss, big deal. I didn't gamble on any of these matches, by the way. But uh, Argentina, I cannot believe that that crew down there took five from Germany. Cole Schreiber couldn't even win one rubber. What is that all about? you got to remember that was without Juan Martin Del Pozzo, who is you know, <laughs> the, the top player in Argentina at the moment. And Albania playing doubles, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's been a little bit of friction um, in the Argentina camp as well, because a lot of the players have sort of rounded up on Del Pozzo and they don't like him. Whether that's a, a jealousy thing or not, I'm not sure, but uh, it's well known that Nalbandin and Del Pozzo don't speak. And Nalbandin's partner, Zabalos, uh, he took to Twitter and he had a go at Del Pozzo on Twitter, something that he's since retracted. So, you know, it, it, it was quite a surprise. I guess probably what helped Argentina was firstly Juan Monaco winning both his matches, which was a surprise because Juan Monaco's really been on a slide uh, the last six months. But they played on clay, which I think the clay probably suits the Argentine players like Monaco, Carlos Berloque, Nalbandian. 
that surface is a lot better for their game than the likes of Co-Cyber, Florian Meyer. Those sort of guys are probably better suited to the, the hard courts. Uh, Co-Cyber in particular tends to do well in grass. Uh, so had, had the match been in Germany, it probably wouldn't have been on the clay. And I don't think it would have been 5-0 to Argentina. Yeah, but I thought Cole Schreiber could uh, at least win one. And yeah, they, you know, Argentina always has issues down there. Always has them. If it isn't players getting caught using uh, performance-enhancing drugs, it's just the egos clash and they go at it. And, well, it's unfortunate. But moving on, Kazakhstan. You know something, man? Andre Gulabev. He came up big. Now, that's one I no one saw coming. I thought Austria would take care of business. Jürgen Melzer. What in the world went on with this guy? What happened to him? He used to be someone I thought was going to be, like, right up there. And just, well, he's gone south for real, hasn't he? Yeah, I've uh, spoken to a few people who watch Jürgen Melzer quite closely, and the belief is that he's got a lot of ability. He's also a good doubles player, but he's one of those guys that could turn up one week and win a tournament, playing some of, you know, fantastically solid tennis, and then the next week he'll come out and you'll predict him, well, you know, he'll get to quarterfinal or semifinal, you would think, and he'll lose in the first round to someone ranked outside the top 100. He's just so inconsistent in his game. Uh, he lost both his rubbers. The first one in straight sets, the second one in four sets, and it's, you know, just another sign of his, his inconsistencies. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's exactly what it is. He's inconsistent, like a lot of guys are. That's why there's a big divide in men's tennis right now between the top four guys, and five guys now with Ferrer and uh, Nadal there. Burdich is kind of like is where the cross goes down, where the breaking point is, Burdich down. And they're all inconsistent. But somebody, but Burdich, I got to tell you, Tomas Burdich, he sealed the deal for the Czechs. I honestly thought, and I still believe this, if Roger Federer would have played for Switzerland, the Czech Republic would have went home this weekend. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely correct. Stan Morinka has been playing very well. And I think, you know, he's quite unlucky to, to find himself without Roger Federer on the team because had he had Federer, you know, you'd expect Federer to win both his rubbers and it, it would have been enough for the Swiss to go through. It's just unfortunate that, you know, there's no incentive for Roger to play Davis Cup this year. He doesn't need the extra matches. And unfortunately for the Swiss team, it is what it is. And the reigning champions went through. Yeah, they certainly did. And now moving forward, we have uh, eight teams left. Four rounds to go. Canada takes on Italy. Serbia, USA. France, Argentina. And Kazakhstan takes on Czech Republic. Gosh, I, I got to tell you, I think it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I'm telling you right now, this Canada-Italy matchup is the matchup to watch. That If you get a chance to watch any of them, and that'll be, I believe it's in May, right? Yeah, it should be should be May. Yeah, it's before the, before the French Open. Or the end of April, one of the two. It doesn't really matter. We'll talk about that when the time comes. But this Canada-Italy matchup, I, I tell you, I'm very high, as you know, on Fabio Fognini. And I'm high on Milos Raonic as well. I love to, I can't wait to see that clash if they show up for the tie. You know, you never know. But uh, 
Which one do you think is out of the four matchups to you looks pretty appealing? Yeah, that would probably be the one for me. It depends on France, Argentina. Who's going to play? Is Del Pozzo going to be back in the fold? He's already said this year that he doesn't want to play this year at all, which hasn't helped the situation in their camp. But uh, on the face of it, I think the most entertaining will be Canada against Italy because you're looking at probably the closest tie in terms of who's going to go through. The rest of them, it's you can pretty much pick a winner from now. Yeah, it makes sense. The France-Argentina match should be interesting. It'll be on clay, obviously. <laughs> that thing could take forever. They might play for a week. Really. But it's up to you. Like you said, Del Potro shows up. It could be an interesting battle. If Saga shows up for France, you know, that's another issue they have down there. These guys have issues with their federations and they tell them to take a hike. Yeah, well, that, so much for patriotism, right? Playing for your country. All that nonsense, all that good stuff, I should say, out the window. I'll tell you this. USA-Serbia is going to be a lot closer than you think. I know I'm American and I'm rude, but uh, I still root for my team. I still, I love my country. I actually pay taxes there and I don't even live there. How about that? Anyway, what do you think about this Serbia-USA matchup? If Djokovic doesn't show up, and he has a tendency not to show up all the time, and that's his prerogative, by the way. Does the USA have a shot? They will certainly have a lot more of a shot if the world's best players knock there. I mean, you would expect if Djokovic plays that he's going to win both his rubbers. Um, US, in my opinion, don't have a player who can rival him. Not over five sets anyway. Um, someone might be able to shock him in three, but I, I just don't see it in five. Um... I'm just checking. Yeah, this next round of the Davis Cup. Yeah, he it, it, it's an uptime in the calendar that looks like he should play. It's in the uh, first week in April, which is before the clay court season starts. Um, so, yeah, it, I'd expect Djokovic to play. So, if, if he doesn't, though, you know, and you're playing against um, Tip Sarovic or Tsoiki or, you know, yeah, why not? Why not? have America beat, uh, beat, uh, beat up on these guys. John Isner, Sam Querrey. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, both guys are capable of taking out a Tip Sarovic or a Tsoiki, just perhaps not a Djokovic. So maybe we should keep our fingers crossed and hope for the USA's sake that Djokovic isn't there. Otherwise, you know, I, I think Serbia will win that one. Yeah, probably that's being played in the United States, right? I think it is, yeah. So you'll get to dictate the surface. Yeah, of course. And the thing is, too, it's right after Miami. So they'll be they'll, they'll definitely play on hard court. Obviously, they're going to play on a hard court. They're not going to play on clay. <laughs> so it is what it is. Maybe Marty Fisher make an appearance. That's what they're going to need. And then this last one, Kazakhstan and Czech Republic. Ah, you know something, Kit? I don't know if uh, Gulabev can pull it off again, but stranger things have happened in Davis Cup, right? Oh, they certainly have, and uh, you would like to think it's not going to be a walkover for the Czech Republic with, you know, Berdych and Rozo blowing them away. But when you look at the guys on the Kazakhstani side, you know, those, those guys aren't in the top 100. In fact, they're not anywhere near the top 100. 
Uh, you know, the, the singles players are ranked 150 in the world. That's a long, long way away from where Thomas Burdich is. It's going to be difficult, but, you know, in the spirit of competition and for the viewer watching at home, you want to hope that it's going to be a bit of a tie. There's going to be a bit of a contest there. So fingers crossed for our friends from Kazakhstan that they can make a real go of this. Yeah, possibly. That could be interesting. That's for sure. All right. You know what? We're going to take a break. And when we return, we're going to give you what you've all been waiting for. That's right, folks. The return of Rafael Nadal to the Men's Professional Tennis Tour. And we'll be right back. You're listening to This Week in Tennis on Max Sports Channels. Stitcher Smart Radio is an award-winning, free, mobile application that lets you listen to your favorite shows and discover the best of news, entertainment, and sports on demand. Now you don't even need a Wi-Fi or a cell connection to listen to shows like The Phil Nation Show. Never miss another show. It's real simple. Just go to Stitcher.com and download the free app today. And never miss another Phil Nason Show. Been dreaming of that Greek vacation? Well, if you have, then you might want to check out the folks at the Oridi Grand Hotel, located in beautiful Corfu, Greece. Come experience world-class cuisine, as well as the hospitality that Greece is legendary for at the Oridi Grand Hotel. You can find them at oridihotel.com or email them at reservations at oridihotel.com. For you, the listeners of This Week in Tennis, Audible.com is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'd personally like to recommend Tim Galloway's book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And you can get this book or any other of over 100,000 titles, all for free, simply by trying Audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, please go to audibletrial.com slash flash tennis. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash flash tennis and get your free audiobook today. The Phil Mason Show is a daily one-hour program featuring hard-hitting commentary on a variety of topics. From the world of sports, entertainment, and pop culture, The Phil Mason Show covers it all. For music, entertainment and more please check us out at philnasons.com hi this is phil nasons the host of the phil nasons show you can listen to us each and every day monday through friday at 10 p.m eastern on the superstation talk that's right we are here each and every day and proud to be here at 10 p.m eastern on talksuperstation.com and while you're over Check out the other great shows The Diamond Joe presents each and every day. That's Monday through Friday, The Phil Mason Show, 10 p.m. Eastern on superstation.com. 
And we're back for the final segment, and that was Rainbow. Since you've been gone, Craig, since Raphael and the doll's been gone, how in the world has tennis survived without its poster boy? <laughs> you know, I was asked this question earlier in the week by email, actually, and my response to it was, I think, a different than what the person had expected and I basically said tennis is like a lot of sports you know you have these poster boys as you put it these heroes these iconic figures that everyone knows but everyone's time at the top's limited sport evolves constantly new heroes are born every day new people step into the limelight and it's simply been a case over the last, you know, six to eight months where Nadal has been out of action that tennis has moved on. Andy Murray stepped up. He won a gold medal. He won a Grand, uh, grand Slam at the US Open. He's been in the last three Grand Slam finals. Roger Federer has been playing some excellent tennis. Novak Djokovic has continued to play excellent tennis. And, you know, a lot of people have, have seen the likes of David Ferrer, etc., you know, step into the role where Nadal was. Now, people will argue that the likes of Ferrer is not the same quality, and it's hard to disagree, but, uh, you know, sport moves on, and unfortunately for, for Mr. Nadal, uh, he became a bit of an afterthought these last few months, uh, certainly to the tennis fan, perhaps not to the Rafael Nadal fan. Yeah, sure, it's like he never was gone, really. You know, I get people ask me, well... Don't break my heart. Tell me what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I'm surprised that he's playing now, to be honest with you. Personally, and you know what I've said to you privately, I'll say it publicly, I never expected him to come back again. But at least it's, it stopped the speculations about being suspended or told to stay away because you tested positive. He does look smaller, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks like he's, you know, physically not quite as strong as he was before, whether he's had to drop some of the the training that he's be, he'd been doing before due to his, his injury. You know, he's perhaps not been moving around quite as much as he, he used to, whatever. Not hitting the weights as hard. Maybe maybe trying to adapt his game somewhat. But, uh, you know, he's back. He's calling for the, the names of all the people who who were involved in the doping allegations relating to the Spanish doctor. He wants all those names released. So he's back, he's making positive noises, and he's playing tennis. And that's really all that matters because, you know, I think the sport's healthier. And I can't believe that I'm even saying this because I'm not a, I was never a fan of his. I hated those one-dimensional players. And then he started winning everywhere else. And then I said, damn, I was wrong. This kid is not just a one-trick pony. And, you know, and, and it was a fair, a fair assumption at first. A lot of people thought that. But I think he's just great for the sport. And the reason being is who he is off the court. He's not a punk. He lives in his country. He pays taxes in his country. He is kind to people, fans and friends and foes alike. He takes the time to sign autographs. He smiles. He doesn't, you don't see him busting rackets. He's just a great representative for the game. You know, and people ask me, well, what can we expect? Well, that's what you can expect. I wouldn't expect a whole lot more. You know, you have to remember that this kid's knees are shot. A lot of people speculated 
that he would probably have to have his knees replaced by the time he's 35. I would have, if it were me, I would say, hey, look, you know what? You're in the Hall of Fame. You're never going to break Roger Federer's record. You may as well hang that up and hang up the racket and just play on a jet skis with your girlfriend. Make a couple babies and have a nice life. You're set for life financially. Nobody robbed him. He's doing great. But he's out there. He's playing. He's won a match here and there. He's playing doubles with Juan Monaco, I believe. And it's just great for the sport because, you know, whether we like it or not, people watch just for him. Yeah, and that shows, you know, what a, a brand name that Rafael Nadal has become. He's, uh, you know, in the first place, he inspired people. People obviously took notice, the advertisers, the sponsors. They looked at this Spanish kid. He's got a good look about him. He, You know, he's a champion. He's a fighter the way he plays. He's inspirational to people. Let's, you know, brand him as is. And, you know... They've, they've created this, this Nadal brand and people have bought into that and people don't want to see him disappear. And, you know, it's, you, you touched on things as well, how sort of genuine he is. You know, I've sat in a restaurant and his entourage have been in and they've been eating and people have been going up to them wanting an autograph. Not a problem. He puts the uh, utensils down, turns on, signs the paper, you know, poses for a photograph any time of the day sort of thing. So... You know, you've got a guy there who is a great ambassador for the sport. He really connects with the sport's global fan base. I mean, you've got, you know, Roger Federer's worldwide is a huge icon, but you've got this, uh, you know, Hispanic-looking kid, you know, Mediterranean kid, really connects with the, the audience in a lot of the Hispanic communities, you sort of South America, um, Mexico, uh, all the way down the sort of Mediterranean, he's huge. You know, he's a, he's an idol for a lot of people in a lot of places, and it's just fantastic to, for tennis to have that back. Uh, and as you can see this week in Vina del Mar, Chile, he's never played there before, but I can bet you that the courts are absolutely full every single day, knowing that this kid is going to be playing either doubles or singles. It's a once in a lifetime chance for these people in Chile to watch Rafael Nadal and you know he's doing good for that tournament and he's doing good for tennis in general absolutely and that's just the bottom line we want to see the sport grow correctly we want to see people who don't get a chance to see these kind of guys get to see them up close and maybe inspire some little fella out there or young lady to want to do the same things as a Rafael Nadal and that's all we can ask for from the sport because this kid has given it a lot to it. He's given his body to it. And it's time for the sport to embrace him again. Welcome back, Raphael. Anyway, Craig, that's going to wrap it up for this week's This Week in Tennis. I want to thank everyone for allowing us to be a part of your tennis lives. Thank you so much for subscribing on iTunes. You can find Craig Doyle at craigdoylephotography.com. Next week, Hopefully, and I think I'm going to bring out a guest because Craig's still doing his soccer on um, football bit. Sorry, dude. Anyway, Ricky from Tennis Talk will be on the show, and that'll be a lot of fun. He's got a huge website. He's well-known in the sport. It'll be a lot of fun to get another perspective on our great sport of tennis. Until then, you all take care of yourselves. Be good, 
Thanks for listening, and most importantly, enjoy the tennis. Bye.